And just before we start the podcast, we've just finished recording it now and I've just realised I've made the most basic of mistakes, unfortunately. I have recorded the podcast without changing it to my microphone, so I have recorded the podcast using my computer microphone. I hope that it's not too much of a difficulty to listen to. I hope the quality is good enough. I don't think it's too bad when I've listened to it back, but... Just wanted to point that out before the podcast starts. The Euros are here. And on today's show, England are through to the quarterfinals following an historic 2-0 victory over Germany. A last 16 full of drama with France, Portugal and the Netherlands all bowing out. The end of the show quiz. Big news from the Premier League. Plus, our new predicted Euros winners, that's your roundup this week. Hello and welcome to the Euros Are Here. As always, I'm joined by Johan Aslet. Thanks for having me on, Dil. And again this week, we're joined by Jack Knight. How are you doing, Jack? Brilliant, Dylan. Absolutely brilliant, as you're probably aware. <laughs> yeah, it's been a brilliant week for you, hasn't it? That win against Germany... Not so much for me and Yo's following Wales's awful performance. <sighs> but we'll jump straight into your moment of the week. Yo's, what was your moment of the week? Okay, so I selected Switzerland's unforeseeable triumph against France in a match that can only be described as stupendous. From taking the lead early on to go and equalise later on after conceding three goals and in the process miss a penalty, to then win the game in the penalty shootouts... I mean, you were just absolutely glued to your seats throughout. And it kind of makes you think, can this year kind of be the year to which you obviously have a dark horse succeed and actually win the tournament and go all the way? I mean, anything can happen, as we know, in this sport. So I'm not going to rule anything out. And yes, you mentioned that penalty shootout there. Your favourite player, the player you predicted for player of the tournament, <laughs> missing the penalty, Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. How did you true. feel in that moment, Yos? Because you've you've knocked Mbappe a lot this season. Well, yeah. To be honest, I'm I'm sure what I said on this podcast, you know, as far as I can say, was the one thing I was thinking about when they lost, not the fact that Switzerland won and progressed. So, yeah, of course, I was thinking about that. No, I wasn't about that whatsoever. I couldn't <laughs> believe they lost the game, to be honest. And it just really shows that anything can really happen in this sport. It's always unpredictable, and yeah, it just really adds to the suspense now going into the next game. So, Jack, what was your moment of the week? Well, obviously, I'm going to choose something from the England game, but it would have been, my close second would be that third goal um, that Switzerland scored. The composure he had to send the French defender for a hot dog and then put it in the bottom corner was absolutely incredible. But my moment of the week has to be um, has to be the ten minutes or so um, in the England game where Thomas Muller ran through on goal was almost certainly scoring. It looked like it was going in until the last millisecond. That 10-minute period going from them to when Harry Kane scored was probably the best 10 minutes of um, English football that we've had in absolute years. It was absolutely incredible. The difference in emotion, I don't think I've ever celebrated a miss so much in my life. And then Harry Kane to go up and score um, that header, which was a fantastic move and a fantastic header, uh, will definitely stay with me forever. Yeah, it was a fantastic moment, wasn't it? That Kane goal was securing the victory for England. And that's where we're actually going to start the podcast today. England's 2-0 victory 
over Germany. And Jack, you mentioned when Thomas Muller was running through on goal against Pickford. But what was running through your head in that moment when Muller was taking that shot? Did you think that it was just going to be a, another one of those days for England once more? Uh, I think I, I was watching with about 30 people and that you could hear you could hear nothing. The silence was deafening. It was uh, uh, my heart was in my mouth. Um, my my hands were over my over my head. It was just ridiculous. And then the the relief when he put it wide was something else. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. If you're a Germany fan, if you want one player in that situation to put that away, it's Thomas Muller, isn't it? And when he squandered that chance wide, I just thought in that moment, this is England's day for sure, isn't it? But Yos, what did you make of England's performance as a whole? For me personally, despite the win, I felt England really ran their luck at times. Well, from my standpoint, I thought the performance was highly overstated. I don't want to be cynical towards Jack. He's obviously enjoying the moment for what it really is. But as far as I'm concerned, I thought you know England were a little bit overstated in terms of the, what the actual performance was on the whole. I thought England clearly lacked a general understanding of when to press and how to do so in an effective manner. I thought the two midfield in the first half particularly were a disaster. You take a look at Phillips frequently committing forward as if he was an attacking player alongside Kane, Sterling and Saka, exposing the midfield in behind for Havertz to discover a lot of space and be eventful there. I thought in possession for large portions, um, it was pretty predictable to be honest, always diagonal, not really seeking to be bold. And I thought Germany, I thought were pretty effective in terms of intercepting those attacks, kind of uh, diminishing the threat posed out there. Um... So to be really honest, I if you look at the game as a whole, I don't really understand the acclaim attributed to certain individuals such as Sterling, who I thought perhaps up to 80 minutes was more or less mediocre. But, you know, nonetheless, it was a vital win for England and I congratulate them and I don't really want to diminish the uh, satisfaction Jack's going through. So well done. And it is very hard <laughs> for me to say that because I honestly do. You know better than anybody. When I was there, it was pretty hard watch, especially when I was so certain that Muller was going to go on and equalise. So, you know. Just a bit of a party pooper there, Yos, for the Englishman. Doesn't sound yeah. like you've had a good week at all. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I could lie to you. It's been it's been difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's been a difficult week, hasn't it? As a Welsh fan, the four 0 loss to Denmark, of course, wasn't it? Jack, what did you make of that performance? The Welsh performance against Denmark. I couldn't believe what I was watching. The way that Wales came out and played, I thought was quite frankly embarrassing I know that obviously Denmark were the favourites and there was potential that they were going to win but I did not see a single Wales player pick up that shirt and really really go for it as I said Aaron Ramsey was an absolute passenger the defence seemed really I don't know whether you thought this in the game they seemed really hot-headed and were almost angry at every everything that was going on instead of being focused and disciplined on the game obviously Nico Williams that's you can't be doing that in a major tournament I'm a Liverpool fan and I quite rate him quite relatively highly I don't think he's ever going to make it to the first team but you can't be doing that in a major tournament I think they should all have a long hard look at themselves they can blame the travel all they want but it's football at the end of the day you can't step on a pitch lose 4-0 like that and expect accolades to be thrown at you we've had our doubts about Wales haven't we Yose? all tournaments we mentioned yeah. those in detail a few weeks back now following that victory over Turkey. But to be honest, I prefer just to leave Wales at the back door now. Move on. They're out. Good on you, Dill. Unless we talk about that, the better, I think, isn't it, Yos? 
Yeah, let's get back to scrutinising England. (laughs) So in just a bit, guys, we'll discuss in further detail whether we have our money on England or somebody else to go all the way and win the Euros this summer. But just before we do, with the likes of France, Portugal, Germany and the Netherlands all going out at the last 16 stage, Yo's, out of the teams now left at the tournament, do England have anyone to fear? Well, in terms of how the draw has gone up to this stage, of course they're in a very favourable position to get to the final, and they're obviously major contenders as of this moment in time. However, I don't think they will win. I think the likes of Belgium and Italy, who obviously are on the assumption they get to the final, are the superior teams, obviously when they're at full strength. Although you could also say that Denmark could potentially obstruct, get into the final. And it's really hard, at least for me, to kind of estimate the quality of Denmark because obviously they look very good structure-wise defensively, but do they have the offensive ability to obviously get a lot of goals if they were to concede some, which they most probably would do against England? I'm not too sure. But again, it's really hard to predict how that game would unfold. But in terms of if they get to the final, I don't think they have enough to beat Belgium and Italy. So Jack, which team do you look at left at the tournament and think, ooh, I'd prefer to avoid them? It's an interesting one because obviously we're all riding pretty high after beating Germany. You're you're failing to mention the fact that we've played in all games now and not conceded a a single goal, which is absolutely ridiculous at the round of 16. Obviously, Belgium and Italy are sticking out. I think Spain would be fine against. The issue I have with... just trying to think which one I'd prefer to play out of, Belgium and Italy. As I said earlier, I... Because Belgium and Italy might be without Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. I think they're massive, massive losses for them. And if you look at the Portugal game that they had, they scored early and they played well quite defensively. But the amount of chances Portugal wastes was absolutely ridiculous. And they controlled the possession in that game. So I think at a final at Wembley, 60,000 English fans going mental with your two star players missing. That's where I'd maybe favour playing Belgium over Italy. I was just going to say something very quickly because you keep deferring back to the defensive record as of this moment in time. But would you actually say you, you know, you're looking pretty stable defensively? Because at least from what I've seen, I think you've been very fortunate to not have conceded any goals, to be really honest. You take a look at the game against Germany. Muller should have scored. Havertz later on in the game. There have been numerous occasions. You take a look at the Scotland game as well. as another example. They could have scored an easy two. So I think there's this false sense of optimism that they're very good defensively and they're not looking on the verge of conceding any goals. I think that's at odds with reality, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Oh, I can understand that, but you're saying all this stuff, but we still haven't conceded a goal. So, individual performances, such as Jordan Pickford, are the reason you win tournaments. It's because when you might have a defensive blip, Jordan Pickford will turn up and make a really good save, even though for Everton, I think he's absolutely terrible. He seems to relish the England shirt and play quite well and composed. So, I think that's... um, Mm. I didn't really agree with the the formation that we went out with. I thought it was a bit strange to change that. I can understand Southgate's thinking with trying to nullify Germany's wing-backs and stuff. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't see us conceding against Ukraine. And then going forward, we're not going to concede more than one in the semi-final. And the final's a lottery anyway. I'm, I'm not expecting us to win in the final, but I think we should get to the final. So we had a chance to redeem ourselves last week with us all deciding to choose Denmark as our new dark horse. And you've got another chance to do so this week. So with all of us choosing either France or Portugal as our Euros winners prior to the tournament, and that turned out very well, didn't it? Yeah. Who would you go with as your new predicted Euros winners? We'll start with you, Yos. 
I've been pretty conflicted between Italy and Belgium for some time, to be honest, because as Jack's already mentioned, obviously there's a good, there's a pretty good prospect in Belgium not being at full strength with uh, Kevin De Bruyne being pretty prone to injury as of right now, as well as Hazard, who's looking not convincing to play next game. So it really just depends on when they're at their full strength. But obviously when Belgium obviously are at their best is when Kevin De Bruyne is playing that false nine position, interchange with Lukaku going out wide. So obviously when that's in full effect, it's going to be very difficult to dismantle from an Italy standpoint. But if you exclude those two players, I think the game's open then and there. I think it go either way. And to be completely honest, I would most probably favour Italy out of that scenario. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be really interesting. So you think that Italy will just manage to get past Belgium and go on to win the tournament. What do you think, Jack? Well, out of Italy and Belgium, as I said, I think I'd probably favour Italy just because I mentioned that De Bruyne and Co are missing and Johan covered that quite nicely as to how effective De Bruyne is in that team. So in that case, it, for me, it would be an Italy and England final. And my head obviously probably says Italy, but my heart is always going to be England in that situation. It is a final at Wembley with 60,000 potential English fans. So I'll go England. Screw it. Okay, so you're going to England to win the Euros. <laughs> Just before we get into some of the reasons why we think England can win the Euros, maybe some of the flaws they have, and we'll go into more detail on that in just a bit. For me, that Italy-Belgium game, you've both touched on it. It's really interesting, isn't it? Especially with the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard likely to be out in this match. But I just have a feeling Belgium will just manage to scrape past Italy. Because I was really disappointed with Italy against Austria. They played well mm. in the first 30 minutes, but then... For the rest of the game, they struggled a little bit to really stamp their authority on the game. So I've just got a feeling Belgium, they've been pretty defensively resilient throughout the tournament. I think they'll manage to get past Italy. And then for that potential semi-final against either Spain or Switzerland, chances are they'll have Kevin De Bruyne and Edin Hazard back. And then I see Belgium get into the final. We haven't really discussed Denmark. Obviously, we talked about them a little bit last week as our dark horses. But I think that England fans are underestimating Denmark in that semi-final because I've just got a feeling Denmark are going to be England mm. in the Euros semi-final. What we're seeing from England, it's just not sustainable. Raheem Sterling, he's scored three goals in four games. Impressive record. However... Has he really had that great of an effect throughout the games? Just 30 minutes to go, I was calling for Raheem Sterling to get subbed off for Jack Grealish. Of course, Southgate decided to take off Saka, which I thought was very surprising at the time, bearing in mind Saka was England's most effective player up to that point. But Jack, do Denmark concern you in that semi-final? Do you think they can stop your progress into the final? Uh, 100%. I mean, I know you said that you think England fans are overlooking them, but every single England fan that I speak to see Denmark as the banana skin on the route to the final. As you said, they've looked pretty defensively sound. The only game they've lost in the tournament was obviously after horrendous circumstances. And they've looked pretty good attacking-wise, even without their star man Christian Eriksen. So they are really are a, a team that... 
I don't want to face. I'd rather face Czech Republic. I think we've probably got their number now. And I don't really feel any nerves going into this Ukraine game. The two days before the Germany game, I it was horrible. The night before, I couldn't really sleep, all that kind of stuff. Whereas this one, I'm going into it with pretty full confidence that we'll dispatch them in a professional manner. It might not be a, the best performance. It's probably going to be really ugly in a 1-0 win, like they have been against these smaller teams that like are going to put 11 men behind the ball. But it will do. And yeah, I think Denmark could be a potential banana skin. Yeah, so carrying on from what I was saying earlier, I think Belgium will get to the final. I think Denmark will beat England in that semi-final. And then I think Belgium then, with the reintroduction of the likes of De Bruyne and Eden Hazard, I think I can see them going on to win the Euros. But we'll talk now, guys, about what areas, if any, of England's setup in more detail will prevent them from becoming winners of the Euros. And in terms of Germany, guys, and you talked there, Jack, about the nerves you were feeling going into that match. Historically, if you beat Germany, I would agree that you are almost automatically one of the favourites, you know, in the top two most likely teams to win the Euros. But Germany, guys, they really haven't been functioning well whatsoever in their last two major tournaments. They've gone four games without scoring a goal, seven games without a clean sheet, and they've won just two games at their last two major tournaments. So I just think, I just feel that England are getting a little bit ahead of themselves with with that Germany performance. I know that they're old rivals and it's still a huge win. Don't get me wrong, but I just think you're going to come up against sides who are more defensively resilient. They're going to offer more of a threat on the attack. But Yosh, you mentioned the England defensively, the fact they look a little bit open at times. Do you want to just go into that in more detail? Well, as I said earlier, I think there was a general lack of coherency between the midfield and defence in terms of what opportunities do you commit into that press and when do you back off. They looked a little bit tentative. It was quite a lot of times to which I kind of saw players like Maguire who would commit all the way up the pitch just to track players like Havertz, who, who wasn't being trapped by Phillips because he obviously he went up into the attacking trio, all four even with Saka, Kane and Sterling. Therefore, there was so much space there in the first place, drawing up the space and allowing Germany to exploit them that way. And this was happening routinely. So when we speak about their great defensive record, it easily could have been tarnished by two goals or more. And that's really where I'm coming from, I think you also. So it was a great performance by England. Well, I say great performance. I don't want to be delusional, actually. No, it was a decent performance, if we're speaking <laughs> at the last 10 minutes of the game. But I think we have to remember, it's a game that easily could have gone one way also. And I don't think they should be as optimistic as they are in a final scenario where they come against a team like Belgium. At full strength, I think it's going to be some decimation, I'll put it that way, if Lukaku and De Bruyne are in full fitness. so Clip that, please, Dylan. Can you clip that? So when we win, I can play it all over my oh, social yeah, media sure. and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'll make sure to clip that. <laughs> yeah. But you say Belgium, Yotes, with Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne. Well, England have actually beat Belgium recently in a Nations League fixture. Yeah. But I would argue that Belgium, they've stepped it up since those games. And I think they've really stepped it up during the Euros. But England's midfield, guys, with and without possession, I was not overly impressed, especially in those first 60 minutes. I thought at times there was too much space between the lines for Germany to exploit, especially in that first half. And, Yo, you mentioned Calvin Phillips there. I think sometimes he's 
almost got that Bielsa mindset and he tries to bring it into England in terms of he defends the man 1v1, do you know what I mean? Almost man-marking the player at times rather than marking the space, which because obviously England defends only, don't they? And he did get caught up once or twice, especially in that first half, Havertz finding some space in the pocket. Also as well, England, they were quite passive offensively, especially with Phillips and Rice passing the ball sideways a lot. But the big difference was when Luke Shaw, in that final 30 minutes, with the introduction of Jack Grealish, he started really driving up on that left-hand side in that wing-back position. And I think that meant that England, they started to create overloads down Germany's right-hand side with Shaw and Grealish. And that is what led to the openings for both goals. But Jack, is there anything that you look at England and think, that's a bit of an issue going on into these quarterfinals, semifinals, and what can affect England from winning this tournament? Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. When, I, when I'm when i watching these games, there is obviously lots and lots of times where I'm incredibly frustrated at what I'm seeing. As I said earlier, I, I didn't agree with the, the... I was confused at the formation change. I thought he would... He's tried and tested this back four so much since the World Cup in 2018. That is what he was going to do regardless of who he was going to face. And I think maybe the players thought that as well. And then Southgate went, right, actually, we're going to play a back five now. Is that OK with you guys? And they were like, oh, right, OK. And the midfield, when we played a back five there, was very open. And I think the analysis you made on Calvin Phillips there is is pretty fair. I'm always going to say that I think um, Jordan Henderson should be playing in English midfield anyway, because I love him to bits. And I think that just what he can bring to the team, not only as a player, but in a leadership capacity, is absolutely massive so I think he would have made a bigger difference and made it made things calm in midfield and you've got to remember that Jordan Henderson as well has beaten all of these guys with Liverpool in the last two or three years so that's one of the changes I would make I think he'll go back to a back four now and it'll stay as a back four for the rest of the tournament I think he tried to neutralize Germany's um, formation that they play in some areas of the pitch it worked and in some areas it didn't but we still came out on top so that's all you can really ask for in such a big, tight, cagey game. I think it was a good call, to be fair, from Southgate to go to the back five. I think he watched Germany's performance against Portugal and the way they got overloaded, especially in the full-back positions. And of course, going to the back five, it just neutralises that threat, doesn't it? You also mentioned there Jordan Henderson. I think some great points there. I would have played Jordan Henderson in this game instead of Phillips. As you said there, he's captain of the team that won the Premier League by a huge point margin last season. They won the Champions League in 2019. But it's difficult to tell, to discuss Jordan Henderson in great detail, just because we don't have all the knowledge about his fitness levels, do we? He's played 245 minutes, I believe, following a long layoff for Liverpool. So there's strengths and weaknesses to that. But It'll be really interesting to see whether Southgate does stick with the back five he played against Germany or he goes back to the back four he used earlier in the tournament. And just before, guys, you move on to the end of the show quiz, Yos, your moment of the week, France against Switzerland. Of course, Switzerland going on to win that game on penalties. Yeah. And we talked about Southgate there going to the back five to neutralise Germany. Well, Didier Deschamps, 
he decided to go with the back five against Switzerland. That didn't work whatsoever in mm. that first half. Went back to the back four in the second half, were far better, had a 3-1 win, and then let that slip, which meant the game went into extra time with Switzerland scoring those two late goals. What did you make of that France performance, Joe? It was shocking at times, but brilliant on occasions as well. Well, as you mentioned, the first half, they tried to reciprocate everything that Switzerland did against them tactically in the first half. It didn't work whatsoever. They weren't getting any fortune in the attacking developments, and it was very predictable. I thought second half, it was it was a fresh team. It was almost like a new France as they came out. And I thought for you know the large majority of that second half, they really were a, you know, a completely different team. They looked very well. And, you know, I thought they easily could have scored a few more goals. You, t- you take a look at the performance of Benzema, for example. He was a completely different player that second half and was getting a lot of opportunities and perhaps could have scored a lot more than he did. But coming to that last 10, I don't, I can't exactly identify what the issue was, but I just Switzerland just discovered some form. I, I don't even know what to really attribute it to. It was quite miraculous, to be honest. They just somehow discovered some just positivity and got some goals and were really placing um, France under siege. And I can't really explain it, to be honest with you. It was... It was very kind of just counter-instinctive. You kind of think they're going to win by a few goals and they were already 3-1 up and all of a sudden it's 3 all in the space of five minutes. It was just, it was a crazy game. And obviously when Griezmann came off, as we entered an extra time, I thought, I kind of, I think most people who were watching that game kind of knew it was almost kind of written in stars with Switzerland. You could tell the motivation they had going into that game. They had the energy. And I think they kind of just gradually dismantled them that way, confidence-wise. And when it came to the penalty shootouts... When Mbappe stood up, you obviously were fairly confident he was going to miss. I didn't see much of a reason to miss because, to my knowledge, I thought he was always pretty good at finishing, you know, at least when it comes to penalty shootouts. Obviously not. (laughs) So it was just a crazy game, and I don't think anyone could have foreseen that. Even though I had my doubts it was going to be an easy game from France because people were saying they were going to win convincingly. I thought it was going to be a tight game, but never did I think they were going to lose. And it really just goes to show that football, anything can really happen, and who knows what can happen this tournament. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, as you mentioned there, honestly, I saw Mbappe stepping up for that penalty and something straight away in me just went, he's going to miss. I think it was the fact he missed those chances earlier in the game. He put one just past the far post, didn't he? He tried to curl it into the far corner and then he had a chance then late into extra time where he didn't take the shot earlier enough. He took the extra touch, shot with his left and the chance was gone. Mm. He didn't need that touch. He just needed to go for the shot with his right foot straight from the off. He didn't need that extra touch. And just the lack of confidence he showed in that situation, I just felt going into that final penalty, the huge pressure he was under, Hmm. I just had this feeling that Mbappe was going to miss. Well, I just want to say one last thing. I think what really impacted France the most was when Giroud came on for Benzema because you could just see that they weren't getting any fortune. They, they kind of switched the game a little bit in terms of they were hoofing the ball gradually more as you do with a player like Giroud. And they just didn't look comfortable. Yeah, the fact that Griezmann was off the pitch as well just emphasised the loss of Benzema, two of France's key players off the pitch in extra time. That just gave the momentum to Switzerland. So to the end of the show quiz, and there are 11 teams to have won the European Championships. So there's 11 teams who've won the Euros. You've got 30 seconds to name them. Off you go.
So there's 11 teams in total. 11? Final five seconds. Five, four, three, I really don't know two, one. Oh, I got one more at the end. Oh, Ooh. God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll work through this, guys, from the most recent winners to the oldest winners. Okay, so who won the Euros in 2016? Portugal. Portugal. Portugal, okay. Who won the Euros in 2012, 2008, as well as 1964? Spain. Espana. Okay, so two points each so far. The surprising winners of 2004. Greece. Greece. Okay, so you both got three. The winners in 2000 and 1984. France. Yeah, did you get France, Jack? Yeah, I've got France. Okay, so four each so far. The 1996 winners, any ideas? Germany. Yeah, Germany. I imagine you have them, Jack. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 1992. Denmark. 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 Correct. 1988. Holland. Holland. Yeah, I imagine you've got Holland as well, Jack. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 1980 and 1972. And when I did this quiz earlier, this was the one team that I missed out on. 72. (sighs) 1980, 1970. I've got a team down here. You'll have to tell me whether it's right or not. Is it Czech Republic? Okay, so Czech Republic, they haven't won the Euros. However, I'll give you the point because Czechoslovakia, they have won the Euros. So I'll give you the point there. They won the Euros in 1976. Did you get Czech Republic, Jos, or Czechoslovakia? I've got Czechoslovakia down. Yeah, okay, so you've got that point as well. So we'll, we'll come back to the winners of 1980 and 1972 in just a bit. Can I just take a guess quickly? Yeah. Is it Yugoslavia? No, so Yugoslavia haven't won the uh. Euros. Have you got any other teams down, guys, that you think might have won a Euros somewhere or another? The Soviet Union. They were the first winners, weren't they? Yes, great shout. Oh, what a shout. The Soviet Union won it... In 1960, as you said, they used the first ever winners of the Euros. Honestly, 72 and 80. Yoan's just got a one-point lead at the moment. The only team that I've got left is, and I could, I just put them down because I panicked a bit, is Italy. Yeah. So Italy won the Euros in 1968. Okay, so there's one more team that you've missed out on. And as I said, when I did this quiz earlier, this was the one... Country that I missed out on. Gosh, this is difficult. And just to give you a clue, this country was two. Now it's one. Oh, I know. Hang on. West Germany. Is yeah, that what you there mean? Yeah, there we are. West Germany. Oh, no, but that's what oh. I meant. That's Germany. So well, yeah. that's all inclusive, surely. Well, earlier, Yos, when I did this quiz, I typed in Germany 
And according to that, it wasn't correct. That was the one country that I missed out on when I did this quiz earlier. I got 10 out of 11. I wrote down Germany. That didn't count. So I stuck with that as well for this. So, Yoz, you've just won the quiz by that one-point margin with that brilliant shout, the Soviet Union. But great effort from you both guys. Did really well in that quiz there. And just before we finish, with our matches to look out for over the next week at the Euros, there's been some big transfer and managerial news from the Premier League. And Borussia Dortmund have announced that they have agreed a £73 million move with Manchester United for Jadon Sancho in what will turn out to be an absolutely brilliant sign-in, if you ask me. Everton have announced that the man they've chose to replace Carlo Ancelotti is Rafa Benitez, who becomes the first manager since William Edward Barkley over 120 years ago to manage both Liverpool and Everton. A brilliant start there. Spurs have finally appointed a new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, following their pretty much joke of a managerial hunt, which involved them holding talks with Conte, Pochettino, Paolo Fonseca, even the likes of Gattuso, to name just a few. And it's also been widely reported that Crystal Palace are set to appoint Patrick Vieira as their new manager after discussions with ex-Dortmund coach Lucien Favre broke down. And for some reason or another, I just have a feeling we'll be discussing the potential sackings of all three of these newly appointed managers in just a few months. But we'll have to see about that, won't we, guys? <laughs> yeah, I actually agree. It's not a bad show. <laughs> yeah, so do so, I. <laughs> to finish off, those matches to look out for over the next week at the Euros. And we've got four huge quarterfinals to look out for. And on Friday, these matches may have already took place by the time you listen to this. We've got Spain against Switzerland and that huge clash between Belgium and Italy. On Saturday, to kick it off, Czech Republic against Denmark. And that's followed up with England against Ukraine. So, Yoz, what match have you picked out as your match to look out for out of those huge quarterfinal fixtures? My game to look out for is the Belgium versus Italy game. I think that's pretty much indisputable. Arguably, you could say that these two teams are the most formidable teams. They pose the greatest threat to England and could potentially determine who becomes victorious this tournament. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really hard to predict because I don't think either of the teams are going to be at full strength. So we have to take that in consideration. I think at full strength, Belgium could win with ease. But with Kevin De Bruyne and Hazard looking likely to be excluded, it's going to be very open. So with that Italian team being as experienced as they are defensively, yes, they have a great defensive record. But I think that could also be counterproductive because if you have players like Lukaku and Kevin, if they happen to be playing, I think they're going to split a lot of space in behind. They haven't got a lot of pace to them. So it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be very difficult to actually anticipate what happens. So quick score prediction. Here's what are you going with for that match? I do think it's likely that Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne are to not play. Therefore, I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory in extra time to the Italians. Go on, Jack. What's your score prediction for this match? De Bruyne and Hazard, like, completely not going to play, 100%. 
We don't know 100%, however, it looks like they're not going to be able to take part. Okay, in that case, I'm going to go Italy within the 90 minutes, 1-0. Ooh, okay. As I said earlier, I think Belgium, even without Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard, will still go on to win this match, and I'm going to go with Belgium winning this match 2-1. So, Jack, your match to look out for over the next week? Well, as the Italy-Belgium game's been taken, I'm going to say I reckon Spain versus Switzerland is going to be one that is full of full of goals. I think both defences are not, not the most watertight, and... Um, yeah. I think you've seen that Spain can um, crumble under a bit of pressure and that obviously Switzerland have conceded goals in most of the games that they've played in. So I think that might be a bit of a crazy one to watch. I reckon that might be two all into extra time and penalties. Yeah, if that Spain-Croatia game is anything to go by, this Spain-Switzerland match is going to be another goal fest. But we'll have to see about that, won't we? And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got the Euros semi-finals. And those guys will play it out to see who will face off at the Euros final. And that's all we've got time for this week on the Euros are here. Thanks to Yoz, thanks to Jack, and we'll see you next Friday evening. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.